It was really Goonies Go Vampire, said Schumacher, reflecting on his arrival into the project. I remember thinking, well, I can make it teenagers. The Frog Brothers could be little Rambos, and why can't Star be a sexy girl? Dodgy female characterizations aside, the hormonal frisian worked a treat. It meant that the Lost Boys were defined by their cool status as a rebel biker gang. It also allowed the obligatory sex scene between Michael and half-vampire Star, and more importantly, it paved the way for the universal dilemma that helped root the story to us normal folk. Which is, if you moved to a new town and your new friends jumped off a bridge, would you? and ghouls i'm katie tool and i'm sean reedy and this is friday night frights a podcast about fitting in biker gangs and an oily man with a saxophone i mean that is really what this movie's about that's really all that it is it's the most important scene <laughs> we hit our peak I stand <laughs> that is where the that is where the peak of the movie is i mean it's all downhill from there it really is <laughs> At least for some of them. I mean, for some of them. That's like when the shit starts to hit the fan. Yep. Tonight, we are discussing The Lost Boys. Mm Mm-hmm. I had actually forgotten how much I love this movie. I um, had actually never seen this movie before, so uh, here we are. I was watching it today, and I was like, this is just like a hug. It's just like... So ridiculous and beautiful and perfect. I can't believe that I've not watched this movie before. Like, I don't know what possessed me not to watch it. Right. Um, but I'm very glad that I have I have now. Yeah. So. It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Roger Ebert. So Roger Ebert did like this film. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, you know, that there were there were lots of good things about it, but... Ultimately, it was, you know, more style than substance. And while I agree, if this is the style, does it really fucking matter? No. No, it doesn't. Because the substance is enough. (laughs) (laughs) It's enough. It works. Mm -hmm. I also just, I just love any movie that has Diane Weiss with a, with a, with a really short haircut. Yeah, Yeah. pixie cut. I mean, I love any movie that has Diane Weiss. Mm-hmm. Any movie with Diane Weist and a pixie cut is even better. I mean, because nothing will beat the uh, the birdcage, but... Mm-hmm. This is almost as gay. Almost. <laughs> almost there. <laughs> so The Lost Boys was directed by Joel Schumacher, but he was not the original director. And what's hilarious to me is how much this movie changed... When they brought in Schumacher. Yeah. He was like, no. <laughs> this whole thing's changing. Mm-mm. All of it. Um, originally, the director was Richard Donner. Oh, really? Yep. So Richard Donner was slated to direct this. And it was basically like we said in the cold open, or like the cold open article said, mm-hmm. um, Goonies with Vampires. 
like the vampires were supposed to be Corey Feldman and Corey Haynes' age. And the Frog Brothers were going to be even younger. Mm -hmm. And Star was a little boy. Oh. Because that's who they were trying to save. They were trying to save the little boy. Right. Oh, well, then they changed it. Because they were only, you know, they were only 13 years old. And so it was like... And (laughs) what I love is they kept the little boy. They did. They kept the little boy in there. They changed Star to be, you know, like a... A woman but they kept the little boy and the little boy is just like where did he come from <laughs> right why did they take him what is the point yeah they never, of making an eight-year-old a vampire you never really got the background of that you're like can kind of assume that maybe he's stars like younger brother or something or maybe. they just happened to like convince the kid to t- to be turned and she kind of took him on as like her own i mean True. It could also be, like, I suppose, you know, because they're kind of punkish assholes, right? Right. So it could be that they just did it for fun. Mm-hmm. Like, that it was just, there wasn't really a reason behind it. I mean, yeah, that's very true. Um, but so, yeah. So it really was the Goonies with vampires. Yeah. Um, And then production got delayed a little bit. And so Donner ended up taking uh, the job directing Lethal Weapon. Yeah. And so they brought in Joel Schumacher. Okay. Joel Schumacher was like, this should be sexy. And sexy it became. And sexy it is. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is sex, blood, and rock and roll. Yep. <laughs> Basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what happens when you hand, like, you know. <laughs> this is what happens when you hand, like, a teenage vampire movie to an openly gay man. Because yeah. Schumacher was gay. And and once you... If you don't know, Joel Schumacher was openly gay. And once you realize that Joel Schumacher was openly gay, every film he ever made makes sense. Hi, hi Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it's camp. Yes. It's all camp. It was on purpose. He intentionally added nipples to the bat suits. He did. He was like, ah. Poison Ivy? Oh. I know she'd be my best friend. I mean, he raised the age of the vampires to like, you know, to older teenagers, even though they all look too old to be teenagers. Yeah. This is another one of those 80s movies where the teenagers are just like impossible to place age-wise like how old are you supposed to be especially Kiefer Sutherland like especially Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland and Jason Patrick Jason Patrick looks approximately 32 years old in this movie yep so does Kiefer Sutherland they could be they could be like like they could, could be have, friends yeah you could 
Right. They could be the same age. And they are the same age. But they were, I mean, they were only 21. But I feel like when I was 21, I still very much looked like a teenager. Like they were actually 21 years old when they filmed this? Right. Yeah. Like the actors were 21. Obviously, I mean, I don't know how old the vampires were because they're vampires. But like Jason Patrick was supposed to be still in high school. Right. Because his mom says things are going to change once school starts, young man, or something like that. So, like, he's supposed to be in high school, assuming that he's a senior because, like, he can drive a motorcycle and he can drive a car. Right. He's supposed to be older than 16, but he looks looks 32. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they weren't filled with preservatives like we are, so... (laughs) 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 that must be it that must be it it's all the mcdonald's Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is the quintessential 80s movie sean and i were actually talking about this right before we turned on the recording was that like if aliens asked me what the 1980s were like i would show them the lost boys yeah um it has both quarries i mean it's got the fashion, it's got the music, it's got the vibe. It's just like 100%. So this movie has a huge cast. It's not obscene, but it's big. It's big. It is a big cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, you of course, you have Jason Patrick and Corey Haim as brothers, Michael and Sam. Mm-hmm. You have Kiefer Sutherland. You have Kiefer Sutherland mm-hmm. um, as David. You have Brooke McCarter as Paul. Billy Worth as Dwayne. Alex Winter as Marco. Diane Weist as Lucy. Um, uh, Michael and Sam's mother. Uh, you have Corey Feldman as Edgar Frog and Jameson Newlander as Alan Frog. Jamie Gertz as Star. Edward mm-hmm. Herman as Max. Uh, Bernard Hughes as, as the grandpa. Um you know, a, a myriad of others. Chance Michael Corbett as Laddie. Alexander Bacon Chapman as Greg. Nora Morgan as Shelley. Kelly Jo Minter as Maria. Tim Capello as a saxophone player. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the most important character? Yes, I should have said his name first, to right. be quite honest. What is remarkable... Yes, this, this movie does have a huge cast. And also, almost everyone in this movie, movie either was a name or became one. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, Jason Patrick. Kiefer Sutherland. Alex Winter, I was like, who the hell is that? Like, you know, because he's kind of, oh. he's styled different, but he was Bill in yes. Bill and Ted. <laughs> but, but yeah, and that's that came after this. Yeah. Like right, right after this, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Maybe a year or two later. Yeah, but, um, but right around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was a star maker. For sure. I mean, it mm-hmm. did well. It It opened, I mean, obviously, like this isn't, this is very different than some of the other um, movies we've done that were sort of like small, independent, you know, movies made by people on shoestring budgets. Like, no, right. no, this was a major studio production. Right? right. Like, if you're starting to talk about like people like Richard Donner and Joel Schumacher, like, right. this this was not a tiny film. But it did do well and it was um, generally well received. Yeah, I think it was uh it was on a budget of eight point five million. Um and it did, and, and made thirty two point two million in right. in the box office. I mean, so yeah. it it was it was well done. Mm-hmm. They definitely made their money back and then some. Mm-hmm. 
Somebody got points. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> somebody got their points paid. <laughs> Had this script not been handed to Joel Schumacher, it would have been very much your sort of conservative moral panic movie, mm-hmm. right? Because the allegory of vampirism here is clearly queerness. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how anyone could argue anything different. You can't. Um, and they are trying to save Jason Patrick from that. Right. Right. Um, and it's it's depicted as, you know, evil. Mm-hmm. However... Then they gave it to Joel Schumacher. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, let's make this as gay as possible. So, like even right here. Who calls a vampire a shit-sucking vampire? Right. Huh. Like, come on. (laughs) Come on. Mm-hmm. Like, definitely implying that he's not biting people on their necks. Right. Yeah. Um, also, can we acknowledge the fact that um, that Corey Haim has, that his character has a, just like a poster of a hot dude on his, uh, on his closet? Yes. Who also looks like his brother? A little bit. I was like, is that, is that his brother? <laughs> Or how much they're like into the oily saxophone man. Yes. Um I think I think the the clearest one for me, I mean besides just everything, but the clearest one for me is actually when the vampires reveal themselves to be vampires. Mm-hmm. Now, some of their victims throughout the rest of the movie were women. However, in that scene, their victims are men. All of them. All of them. And Michael, Jason Patrick's character, Mm -hmm. they leave him in a tree to watch. Right. And he is repulsed on the one hand. On the other hand, he looks extremely turned on. Oh, yeah. Like, he like... You know, puts it, and I mean, it's supposed to be like hunger, right? Because he's like hunger right. for blood, but mm-hmm. that's that's not the energy he's giving. No, no, no. Like, he's hungry for something. He's hungry for something. <laughs> blood might be involved. That's fine, but right. like, <laughs> but the the blood is fraught too, mm-hmm. right? In eighty seven, because this was the height of the AIDS epidemic, right? Right. So the fact that. This is a group of all men who seem to have relatively little interest in women. Mm -hmm. Like, it's presented at the beginning that Star and David. Oh my God, Star and David. (laughs) I realize that just. (laughs) What the fuck? Um, (laughs) At the beginning, it's implied that they're a couple, but they never act like a couple. No, not at all. And Kiefer Sutherland 
doesn't care. Like, if Mm-mm. Keith Sutherland has no care in the world if Michael, when Michael and Star sleep together, mm-hmm. he does not give a fuck. He was using Star to lure Michael. Right. And it's, cl- and like, it's very clear that even though Michael ends up with Star, that like, he has sexual feelings for both of them. Right. Right. But yes, between, between the, the group of young men who don't seem to have much interest in women, the clear sexual tension between the two male leads, mm-hmm. well, I mean, not the two men, not Corey Haim, obviously, but right. the, the two adult <laughs> male leads, um, I mean, there's a weird sexual tension between Corey Haim and uh, Michael Patrick, too. Right? No. Jason Patrick. Jason Patrick. Michael's is the character name. Right. Well, there's a, they're, th- very, they're very touchy-feely. Yes, they are very... For brothers. Yes. Which, Some... I mean, that's fine. I mean, sometimes people are. But, no, I get it. I get what you're saying. It's kind of a strange it's, relationship. It's weird how touchy-feely they are in consideration of the rest of the... The rest of the feeling of the movie, the rest of the gayness of the movie. I'm like, you're just adding to it. Right. Instead of being like, here are two separate situations. Right. Yeah. I'm like, this is, you are very touchy feely. Right. Yeah. (laughs) The dealing with, you know, the dealing with a story about creatures who drink blood at the height of the AIDS epidemic. And the fact that it's set in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. Like, everything about this movie screams gay. Oh yeah, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We will we will take a bite out of the Lost Boys. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I know, I'm not proud of it. Uh, <laughs> but first, it is Shocktail Hour. Tonight's Shocktail is called the Love Bite. Wow! Ow, ow, <laughs> ow, 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 ow. <laughs> um, the. Love Bite consists of a shot of vanilla vodka, an ounce of dark spiced rum, half an ounce of Cointreau, a shot of tart cherry juice, and that's all. (laughs) That's all the things. That's all the things. I thought there was one more, but there's not. Shaken of her eyes and poured into a chilled glass. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's bloody good. (laughs) <laughs> would also be an excellent Halloween party drink. Yeah, because yeah, it, it would looks be like blood. Mm-hmm. Like it really is the color of blood. Yeah, it. Yeah, you did a stellar job of creating this. <laughs> so the Lost Boys begins with Jason Patrick and Corey Haim playing Michael and Sam, respectively, mm-hmm. being driven into Santa Clara. San? No, not Santa Clara. That's a real place. Santa <laughs> into San Carla. Mm -hmm. California which is Santa Cruz it originally was set in Santa Cruz just straight up right but the city of Santa Cruz got mad and wouldn't give them the permits to film on the boardwalk Mm -hmm. because they didn't want to be portrayed as like the murder capital of the world right right and they didn't want to be portrayed as like seedy with these motorcycle gangs vampiric or not Mm -hmm. um you know, roaming around. So they changed the name and made it into a fake town and Santa Cruz was like, okay, fine. 
All right, I guess you can film here. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, that that wasn't even close to true at the time, was it? That there was, like, one of the... Oh, it was. Oh, was it? It was. So in the 70s and 80s, the Northern California in general had a shocking number of... Um, serial killers. Yes. Yes, it did. And specifically in the Santa Cruz area, uh, Ed Kemper yeah. was from that area. So, mm-hmm. yes, actually, the reputation of that sort of entire region mm-hmm. um, as, like, highly dangerous was a thing. And also... Uh, Santa Cruz was briefly called the murder capital of the U.S. Interesting. Yeah, had no idea. Mm-hmm. So. They're like, we don't want to per- perpetuate this issue. Yes, exactly. It was like, it, it was it was fitting, but that's why they didn't want it in there. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, they're moving there to move in with their grandfather because their mother, played by the incomparable Diane Weist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their father, who is is never shown in the film, have divorced. Right. So they're moving in with their grandfather. Their grandfather is this kind of like weirdo. Well, he's a taxidermist. That's what he does for a living. Mm-hmm. And he lives on the outskirts of town, like up in the hills. And he's a little bit of a hermit. Yeah. Just a smidge. And just, like, an all-around kooky grandpa. Like, he's very much like the kooky grandpa in an 80s movie. Yep. Like, there was a specific there was a specific breed of kooky grandpa in 80s movies. And this is one of them. Yep. We're also introduced to a local group of hoodlums. Mm-hmm. There are these teenage motorcycle gangs, which we had a lot of in the 80s. And I really would like to know... Were there actually teenage motorcycle gangs in the 80s? Like, I'm too young to remember. But, like, motorcycles are expensive. Yeah, they are. Where'd they get them? <laughs> There's a bunch of rich punk kids. That's, that's what it was. I mean, yeah, I guess. But, like, it's true. Think about it. Think of how many kids in the 80s, teenagers, yeah. had motorcycles. I mean... Uh, I mean, like, you know, in well, movies. I don't you, know, in real life. You gotta think, though. Like, motorcycles are technically, like, pretty significantly less expensive than a car true 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 um i don't know how it was like back in the 80s like because there's a lot more variety of motorcycles now Mm -hmm. than there was back then um but like a relatively expensive motorcycle is like 16 17 thousand dollars right which is still way less than a car Mm mm-hmm um so yeah, I mean that's neither here nor there. But I just that always that always strikes me of like how all of the children have motorcycles. I'm like, right. I knew not a single child with a motorcycle yeah. when I was that age. Mm-mm. Not one. For the record, I actually don't know how much motorcycles are, so don't quote me on that. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> you said it with so much confidence. I did. I did. That's how you talk. <laughs> you could be a snake oil salesman easily. <laughs> I 100 percent believe you. <laughs> I pulled that number out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think like there are a lot of motorcycles that are around that price, like truly, but uh, I think that there are some, like, 
I know a very little bit about Harleys just because my dad rode them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think like the touring motorcycles are about 20,000 to 25,000. Yeah. I feel like those are more expensive, but there's more stuff to them. So, right. Well, and, and in fairness, like they're not riding Harleys. No, they're riding like, you know, hopped up dirt bikes. Right. So it could be even that they like modified them themselves or something. Right. Um, Which is what you did in the 80s. Right. It's neither here nor there. Uh, (laughs) But this gang is led by David, who is being played by Kiefer Sutherland. Right. And we see them sort of like stalking around the boardwalk, generally harassing people, right? Mm -hmm. A security guard tosses them off the boardwalk, and then that security guard, guard is like mysteriously attacked. Right. And, like, not just attacked, but swept into the air Mm -hmm. with enough force to rip his car door off the car. Right. So you're like, hmm, something's going on. But you don't see who did it. No, you don't. But, like, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You just pissed these teenagers off, but it was clearly someone else. Right. That's how movies work. It's just, right. It's just somebody who's... (laughs) Protecting the teenagers? No. Right. No. When Michael and Sam go down to the boardwalk to hang out for the first time, Sam meets a couple of boys in a comic book shop mm-hmm. and has to like prove his worth by knowing an insane amount about comics, which I find hilarious. Right. <laughs> because, you know, he's clearly an idiot because of the way he dressed, which I mean, the way he dressed was interesting. Again, right. the epitome of the 80s. I mean, so much. It Yeah, it was just like, just the different styles of the 80s. Right. Right. Um, I love these two characters. Mm-hmm. They are hilarious. Corey Feldman doing that voice that he's doing. I... <laughs> <laughs> like, where they're trying. They were both 16 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that their characters are definitely supposed to be younger than that. They're supposed oh, to be like yeah. 12 or 13 years old. Yeah. But yeah, they were both 16. Like that is not, I mean, that's not what Corey Feldman's voice sounds like now when he's a grown man. Right. Like it, what the hell was he doing? But <laughs> like, know. they're also just kind of idiots. Like they're very much the comic relief Oh yeah. in a, in a movie full of comic relief. Like right. they're still the, the most comic of the relief. Um, But they hand him a they hand him a comic about vampires, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, I don't like horror comics." <laughs> yeah, they're like, "You'll like this one." They're like, "You should read this." Yeah. And but he doesn't take it. He leaves. Mm-hmm. He leaves it there. Um. They then. Oh, and while they're there, their mom gets a job at the video store. Right. Because again. The 80s. Uh Uh-huh. Which is run by a very nice man named Max. Mm Mm-hmm. Which can we just say, can I just say, like, as someone that didn't watch this movie before watching Gilmore Girls, it was really weird seeing him in this role. Yep. (laughs) I mean, yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff, but he, yeah, Ed Herman was was the dad on Gilmore Girls. Mm Mm-hmm. Or the dad slash grandpa. Right. On Gilmore Girls. 
Uh, so, you know, everything's going great. They're having a good time. They go to a concert mm-hmm. where they see our, our favorite character in the movie, the oily saxophone playing man. Yes. I mean, it's great. It's a great concert. It's great. The music in this. the This soundtrack in general is just... Fire. Oh, God. It's so good. It's so good. I mean... Even the, even like the, the song that was written for the movie mm-hmm. is just like so cool. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. This is another one. I mean, like basically you give me like an 80s movie with a bunch of people in leather jackets and a bitchin' soundtrack and I'm going to love it. Yep. I mean. Say no more. If we have not learned this by now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Say no more. But they also at the concert meet Star. Mm-hmm. Star is played by Jamie Gertz, who I was trying to place this afternoon. I was like, I've seen her in something else. And like, she's been in lots of stuff, but I was like, I've seen her in something that I've seen a million times. Yeah. Like something that I watched on the regular. She was in Twister. Oh. She was Bill Paxton's new girlfriend. Right. In Twister. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously she's like 10 years younger here. But ah, Twister. Classic. I love Twister. Um, Michael is immediately entranced by this girl. Literally. Like, to the, <laughs> I mean, yes, it, literally. And like to the, she also, she has the inexplicable little boy with her. Um, right. But, I mean, it is your classic, it is your classic, like, 80s entrance of a girl too like when like yep. she bounces in like she's skipping yep which is not how anyone walks but also like it's in slow-mo yeah <laughs> so she's bouncing in slow motion through the crowd so 80s with her big hair I'm bouncing all around her mm-hmm. michael goes to chase after her and sees that she gets on the back of the motorcycle mm-hmm. of David. Right. And they ride off. The next day, Michael goes back to the boardwalk and he buys himself a leather jacket and he's looking at getting his ears pierced. Like, he's he's kind of like... It's clear that he was not just entranced by Star. Right. Right. Now, you could argue that he's like... That he's thinking, oh, she likes guys who look like that, so I'm going to make myself look like that. Yeah. Right. Because clearly any, like, red-blooded young straight woman is going to be repulsed by Jason fucking Patrick. Yeah, no. He's... <laughs> no matter he's, what he's wearing, but... <laughs> he's hideous. I don't... I mean, come on. Like, God bless. <laughs> God bless those those genetics, because... Like, the cheekbones, the lips, come on. Right. But... Uh, but he, he buys the leather jacket. Mm. And he's looking at getting his ears pierced. And Star comes up behind him and she's like, I'll pierce yours for you. Right. And so then they're like flirting and they're walking and they're hanging out. And eventually they run into David and the others. Mm -hmm. Right. Meanwhile, Sam has gone back to the comic book store again. And once again, the Frog Brothers have insisted upon him taking 
the comic about the vampires. Right. And this time he does. Right. And they um they specifically they give him when they give them the comic, they're like, and make and I'm writing down a number. Hopefully you don't need to use it, but if you ever do. Oh yeah. We're vampire hunters. Right. Or no no no. I guess right. they don't tell him they that at that they point. Don't tell they, but they just say like, yeah, here's our number. Hopefully you never have to use it. Right. Again, these are 13-year-old boys mm-hmm. who are doing their best Sylvester Stallone impressions. Yeah. <laughs> they are trying to be as serious as humanly possible. And it's fucking hilarious. Yep. So funny. <laughs> so now Michael is sort of hanging out with the whole group. And they are not being nice to him. No. It's all about the challenge. Mm-hmm. They're playing hard to get. They are. <laughs> Just a different kind of foreplay. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, because initially, like, because they're, like, he and Star are about to go off, like, she was going to join him on, like, riding his motorcycle. Right. They were going to go for a ride. Right. And the gang shows up and is like, no, no. First off, Star, you're coming with me. Right. Get on my motorcycle. Right. And then they challenge, they challenge Michael to a race, basically. Right. Yeah. And, and Michael goes, you know, you have a better bike than me. Like I, he, he admits, he's like, I'm not going to be able to beat you. Your bike is right faster. Right. Like it's not about mm-hmm. like, and he's like, oh, you don't have to beat me. Just keep up. And off they go. Right. Right. Um. And he almost beats him. He is ahead of him. He is. Yeah. He almost beats him. Um, right off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is, you know. Like, I'm not going to say that their general vibe was a red flag. Right. Because, you know, that's just being, that's just buying into stereotypes. But right. the almost making you drive off a cliff. That's like red major, flag number one. Major mm-hmm. red flag number one. Should have gone home. Yep. At that point. Yeah. Like, Bye. Cool. Uh, yeah, you almost killed me, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. Screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> Never doing that again. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't. He stays with them and hangs out, and they take him down to. The most, I mean, the dream of having your own (laughs) golden age of the California Beach Resort hotel that has fallen into the cliff. Yep. Um, To just like play in. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Love it. But it's their lair, right? I mean, it's their lair. Vampires need a lair, it's their lair. And they're still being complete, like, shit to him. Oh, yeah. Why he wants to hang out with these people beyond, you know, wanting to bed the girl is the only... Right. But that's not. Like, he's he's basically ignoring the girl at this point. Like, he is focused mainly on David. Yes. Right? Like, it's clear that, like, you know, the sexual tension between those two... Mm Mm-hmm. 
you could, you know, you could cut it with a knife. <laughs> but they make him think that, you know, they make him think that he's eating maggots and worms when it's just Chinese food. The vampires seem to be able to eat regular food in this one, which is not always something they can do. Yeah, I like that they, they like, take play Like, some of the stereotypes are there. Some of the, the common oh, yes. tropes of yeah. vampires are, are part of the movie, but not all of them. Right, they don't have reflections in the mirror. Right. Sunlight seems to drain them, but not instantly kill them. Initially. And I think it... I think it depends on... If they're full vampires or not. Yes. Right. Because that's the other thing, is that once you begin to turn into a vampire, and this was very important for the plot... Right. Once you begin to turn into a vampire, you're not actually a full vampire until you've made your first kill. Yes. So, before that point, you can be saved. Mm-hmm. Now, you... So, there's two... So, you're right. Like, there's two parts of becoming a vampire. So, the mm-hmm. first part is drinking the blood of a vampire. Mm-hmm. The second part is making your first kill. Which is interesting, because they never bite him. Drinking the blood of the vampire is a pretty common trope as to how you become a vampire Mm -hmm. usually the vampire has to bite you and drain some of your blood first right yes it's like it's you're 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 trading yeah you're trading blood blood, essentially um but they don't they never bite him Mm -mm. no all it took was him drinking from the bottle of Mm -hmm. david's blood yep um which happens in this this first sort of hangout scene Mm -hmm. um in the old hotel. Right. They sort of like are playing with him. And this was the reason they were tricking him with the Chinese food. Mm-hmm. Right. So that when they. It was essentially like supernatural gaslighting. So when they handed him a bottle of blood. And Star warned him that it was blood. He was like, no, it's not. And he drank. Yeah. Right. Right. And it did look like wine. It did. I yeah. mean, it, yeah, it was in a bottle. It was mm-hmm. red. I mean, we made a drink tonight. That's the color of blood. Right. But not the consistency. I feel like that would give it away for me. Right. And I think that was the thing is it was like thinner. It was like the same consistency of wine. Right. Which is like... Well, because like in the production, I'm sure it was wine. Well, and <laughs> and I'm sure like like vi- like the reason that it looked like wine is because it just like with the rice turning right. the maggots, like... Yeah. They were doing the mind meldum. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this is, this is sort of important. So... As Michael is drinking the blood from the bottle mm-hmm. that he thinks is wine, there is this sort of lovely, like, double exposure fade mm-hmm. shot of Michael with his eyes closed and his head tipped back and his mouth slightly open as if he'd just taken a shot of heroin or just had an orgasm. <laughs> I mean. And... Star's face fades and mm-hmm. turns into David's face. Yeah. Who is saying his name over and over and over. Right. Right. The subtext isn't subtle. New. No. <laughs> like, 
It's almost just the text. <laughs> it's like right there, right underneath it. Yep. And they say, you know, you're one of us now. Mm-hmm. And then they go and uh, take a little stroll. And they jump off a bridge. Yeah. Which was, I have to admit, like was actually a really cool looking scene. No, it's a great scene. Yeah. Except. Oh no, it's my it's my favorite part of the movie. It's so good because <laughs> it's so stupid. So when they were filming this, clearly, so they had all all of the vampires and Michael hanging off the bottom of the bridge, mm-hmm. right? At first, because the film is like trying to play with you about whether or not these guys are supernatural or whether they're just hoodlums, right? Like, right. so they're like. Oh, we're going to jump off this bridge and like not die. Right. And Michael's like, oh my God, they jumped off the bridge. And then he notices that they're just all hanging by like the bottom of the bridge, mm-hmm. which in itself is superhuman. Yes. Like the fact that they could jump off the bridge and catch themselves on the bottom of the bridge. Yeah, no. You can, No one would be able to do that unless they were like, you know, an American gladiator or right. a vampire. So, those are the only two types of people. That's all you get. (laughs) Who could do such a thing. Right. But David is encouraging him to let go Mm -hmm. and to fall in a scene that, in a, a sort of exchange of dialogue that is, again, just heavily laced with, like, homoerotic subtext. Yep. Just, like, some of the things he says to him. I'm like, what are you trying to convince him to do here? Mm. Exactly. Bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, Michael acquiesces and lets go. Yes. And what we have is one of the greatest... Falling scenes in the history of cinema. Yes. Because Jason Patrick is clearly standing on his feet. Yep. And leaning backwards. Yep. And it's, but, and it's of course in slow motion and it's just like the, I mean, at least half a million of it that 8.5 went to fog machines. Oh yeah. At least. Oh my God. And Michael ends up at, at the end of it, Michael ends up safe at home in his bed. Though, and this is funny in in relation to your joke, he's upside down in his bed. Is he? His, his... Oh, yeah. His head is facing the foot of the bed. Yep. He had a wild night. I mean, right. Something has changed, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, he literally fell for David. (laughs) (laughs) He he literally fell for David. (laughs) And then, you know, he starts behaving strangely. Mm-hmm. He has an earring. He has a leather jacket. He sleeps all day. He wears his sunglasses in the house. If all of those things don't scream gay, I don't know what does. Right? Like, you're <laughs> either gay or a vampire. Yeah. Or both. <laughs> I, as a gay man, do all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what's funny is that, like, okay, so the one earring thing, like, in the 70s and 80s, the one thing, earring thing was a thing. Yes, it was. It's not anymore. No. But at the time, it was absolutely a thing mm-hmm. that, like, a single earring was a, a signal, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't it in a specific lobe, though? Like, wasn't it, like... Yeah, it was either, but I forget, I always forget which one it was. I think it was the right, I think, but I might be wrong on that. Yeah, I have, I have no idea. Um, but his brother specifically calls out the earring. Yes. He's like, you should lose that earring. It's not you. Mm-hmm. It's really not you, which is hilarious because Corey Haim has an earring and they didn't have him take it out. Oh, really? I didn't even notice. It's a little diamond stud. Oh, my God. In his ear. While he's yelling at his brother, who's older. Right. To lose the earring. Mm. I mean, his earring is a little bit more His gaudy. earring is more, it's more flamboyant, for yes. sure. Yes. The whole, the whole, the whole look has become very flamboyant. Yes. And the attitude has gotten very sassy. Mm-hmm. He is very sassy. He's very sassy. Um, he has not had his Starbucks yet. He has not. <laughs> He's not had his iced latte. Nope. <laughs> I'm not sure. Did Starbucks exist at the Starbucks? Uh, it did not. <laughs> it started in the 90s, right? No, it's it started in the 80s. They're literally having their their anniversary. I think it was like their their 40th anniversary. Oh, okay. So it would have been around. Yeah. Might not have, like, at this point spread all the way to California, though. Yeah. From, we might have still, like, all been in Seattle. Mm-hmm. But again, neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. <laughs> We're extending the joke. like... <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, while all this is going on with Michael and the vampires and uh, Sam... Mm-hmm. Mom has taken a shine to Max, mm-hmm. and he invites her to dinner. Right. Grandpa also has a date. <laughs> yeah. With the widow Johnson. Mm-hmm. So. Sam and Michael are alone for the night. Yes. Yeah, because Michael reluctantly, very reluctantly, agrees to watch Sam. Right. Yes. I mean. There's some of his behavior where it's like, is he a vampire or is he just a teenager? Right. Yes. <laughs> like, but it is at this point that things begin to escalate very quickly. Mm-hmm. Michael tries to have a drink of milk. And he's like overcome with this hunger. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the milk isn't, the milk actually like hurts his stomach. Right. Right. I don't even think he gets a chance to drink it. No, he's just kind of like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> His buddy's like, I don't think so. Uh-uh. We need some blood. Yee. And he goes upstairs to where uh, Corey Haim is taking a bath. Right. Which, like, he's a little old for that, right? I mean, I'm 30. I still take baths. I mean, I take, <laughs> I take baths, but, like. The way about it, like, he looked he like. Says, he says. Go take your bath. Yeah. Like, it's still his, like, nightly bath that you give a kid. Right. Whereas, like, by the time I was that age, I was taking showers. Right. Anyway. Um, but he's in the bath. 
and Michael almost attacks him. Mm-hmm. He's trying to hold himself back. And luckily their dog attacks Michael. Right. <laughs> and bites him. And Corey gets out of the... Corey. I just called him Corey. Sam gets out of the bathtub. I mean, it is Corey. Sam gets out of the bathtub and he's like, what's going on here? What'd you do to my dog? And he's like, he was protecting you and he bit me. Mm-hmm. And then Sam notices in the mirror that Michael's reflection is starting to fade. Mm-hmm. And he's like, having just read, finally, right. the comic book that the Frog Brothers gave him, mm-hmm. he recognizes the signs of his brother becoming a vampire. Right. So he goes and he calls the Frog Brothers. There are two things that happen here as well. A, he calls him a shit-sucking vampire. Right. Which is not something that anyone says. Nope. When referring to vampires. Like, clearly another, like, not-so-subtle, not like, not-so-subtle <laughs> allusion <laughs> to something else. And he says that he's going to tell their mother. Mm-hmm. So he threatens to out him. Yep. Literally. Yeah. Um... He goes and calls the Frog Brothers, and they're like, oh, that's fine, just kill him. And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's my brother, but okay. Uh, <laughs> not we're gonna, gonna do that. We're gonna not, yeah, we're gonna move on that with that idea. There must be another solution here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, actually, I think I'm wrong. I think first he calls his mother. His mother ends up calling the, the house. Oh, that's right. His mother calls the house. So he mm-hmm. calls the Frog Brothers, and then mm-hmm. the mother calls the house. Yeah. At this point, Michael is, for some reason, floating out the window. Yep. (laughs) Which is, again, another great scene. (laughs) Yeah, he's, like, passing on his bed, and then suddenly he's floating up to the ceiling, and he's like, um, why am I here? Right, and then he's, like, out the window. Right. While Sam is on the phone with their mother... Right. And Sam starts freaking out. And so the mother thinks there's something, you know, really wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually Sam lets Michael back into the house through his window. Mm-hmm. And they agree not. He agrees not to tell their mother. Right. And Michael's like, I'm going to take care of this. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Michael promises to take care of it. Um, what he does instead is goes and has sex with star (laughs) because sure Mm -hmm. it's gonna solve everything meanwhile sorry go ahead well and i mean like he i think his intention was to like kind of go and ask for help in a way right oh yeah that's why he goes there to like but that is not at all what happens no he goes there to confront the boys yeah. And then when he sees that it's just Star there, he does ask her for help. Mm-hmm. And then they just end up banging. She's like, I'll help I'll you. I'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> While Michael is off, you know, getting laid, Sam is actually doing something productive. And he and the Frog Brothers are trying to figure out how to solve this problem. Right. Which they, again, tell him to simply kill his brother. And right. he's like, no, not an option. <laughs> not happening. <laughs> What they learn is that there are two steps 
Right. To becoming a vampire. Mm-hmm. And that you are not a full vampire until you've made your first kill, which is something that Michael has not yet done. Right. And that if you kill the head vampire, mm-hmm. then anyone who is not a full vampire will go back to normal. Right. So they're like, cool. But now they have to figure out who the head vampire is. Right. Sam's suspicions fall upon Max. Yeah. Yeah, because... Um, and, and for a few valid reasons. Yeah, he has... Yeah. Um, like, I know that he... Um, like, when he went with um, their mother to go and see Max to apo- when she was going to apologize for... Mm-hmm. Running uh, out. Yeah. When she got freaked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, his dog, like, Attack. attacks her. Mm-hmm. Um, a dog who had been perfectly nice before. Right. The other reason was that Max never came to the video store until after dark. Mm-hmm. And it was when their mother met Max that things started going sideways. Right. Now, mind you, that was almost immediately after they got to town. Yeah, it was like they, they, they just moved there like the same day. Right. So, so, yeah, you're right. Yeah, like, because you literally weren't here before. But those are his reasons, and they're valid reasons. So, mm-hmm. their mother has invited Max over for a date uh, and to, you know, have dinner with the boys. Mm-hmm. And... Sam invites the Frog Brothers because they're going to test to see if Max is a vampire. Right. Uh, Michael decides not to attend the dinner. He's going back out to he's going back out with the gang mm-hmm. to try to figure out what's happening. Right. He does run into Max on the way out of his ha- on the way out of the house, though. Mm-hmm. And he invites him in. Right. David has decided, perhaps because Michael and Star slept together, mm-hmm. that Michael is ready to surrender mm-hmm. completely. Right. And so he takes him. To do his first kill and become a full vampire. Right. This is ironically the most homoerotic scene in the movie. Oh, definitely. Like, the way it's shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact that all of their victims are men in this particular instance. Right. right? And there's all these, like, there's these close-ups on parts of their bodies and their mouths, right? And, like, mm-hmm. Michael is off to the side watching... And he's repulsed. He keeps trying to look away, Mm -hmm. but he can't. And it's like clear that he's hungry, but it comes across as he's just very turned on. Right. Right. But he doesn't do it. No. He's trying to resist. He's trying to resist. Mm -hmm. Uh, At home, Sam and the Frog Brothers keep 
putting Max through these tests to see if he's a vampire. They give him a whole bunch of garlic. They stick a mirror in his face. He seems to pass all of them. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, well, okay, the head vampire must be David then. Right. Michael gets home and Star shows up. Mm-hmm. And reveals that she is also a half vampire. Right. And the reason that she was supposed to lure um, Michael in was because he was supposed to be her f- first kill. Yep. Until David met him and decided that he wanted to keep him. Mm-hmm. And decided that he should also become a vampire. Right. Oh, and that also the inexplicable little boy is inexplicably also a half vampire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no explanation, clearly no needed. <laughs> um, another another example or another um portion of the of the movie that we we kind of skipped over. I just wanted to skip back really quick sure. to it. Um, so it's a moment um when Michael comes home. Oh yeah. And uh, his mom stops him and is trying to talk to him. And he's being his little teenage angsty self, doesn't want to even look at her, is is clearly like nervous and just wants to leave. And she's trying to like get out of him what's going on. Mm-hmm. And she's like, is it a girl? Is it? Like, what is it? You can talk to me. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, did I have this conversation before? <laughs> right. What did I? Did they? Did they record my life and then just like <laughs> yeah. play it on film? Did For I sure. just? They just projected. You know, mm-hmm. twenty years into the future, and mm-hmm. they're like, hey, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. A, a lot of the... There's also a moment of reconciliation between Sam and Michael mm-hmm. right before they go into the vampire lair. Right. Where Sam says, even if you are a vampire, you're still my brother. Right. Which, like, again, how many queer people have had that said to them? mm not the part about the vampire. But <laughs> not the vampire specifically. I mean. Switch out vampire. <laughs> I mean, people say that to me all the time. <laughs> they talk about me sucking, but they don't say what. Okay. <laughs> so they hatch a plan mm-hmm. to try to save Michael and Star and the boy, whose name is Laddie. Mm-hmm. Which is also, doesn't make any sense. No. Who's, who's, like, you named, a, you named a boy, boy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the name's creative. <laughs> Michael and Sam and the Frog Brothers are going to sneak into the vampire's lair during the day while they're sleeping mm-hmm. and kill them. Mm-hmm. That goes about as well as one would expect mm-hmm. a vampire hunt led by two dopey teenage boys to go. Especially two dopey teenage boys who don't know how to be fucking quiet. No. I am baffled at the fact that, like, the fact that none of the vampires woke up <laughs> to them being as loud as they fucking were. I was like, vampires they're literally screaming. <laughs> Apparently so. Because they were screaming. Yeah. 
they do manage to kill one of the vampires. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it is. I believe it is Bill. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or Alex Winters is his right. Friend. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's not a vampire named Bill. I think his name is Marco. <laughs> I think his name is Marco in the movie, but yeah. he's just Bill in my heart. Um, and they get covered in his blood, which has glitter in it. Yeah, had had I had not noticed this the first time around, and then like they're running to the car, and I'm like, why are there? What's on? Is that glitter? <laughs> Where did this glitter come from? And I was like, oh, that's the vampire's blood. Like it sparkles. Oh. Well, their blood just came out of the nightclub. Got it. Right. <laughs> I wonder. Right. It's <laughs> a little bit of body glitter. Um, <laughs> I wonder if that's where Stephanie uh, Meyer got that idea. I mean. (laughs) Um, But they get, they get Star and Laddie out. Mm -hmm. And the vampires can't chase them because it's broad daylight. Right. Um, But, (laughs) right. But all three of them, because they have not fed to become full vampires and also because eating normal human food kind of also isn't working for them mm-hmm. are starting to get very weak right? and they're kind of sick. So they take them to the house. They lock them in a room. They go to prepare. Mm-hmm. They get all kinds of weapons. They go to a church and fill up on holy water, which is one of my favorite moments. In the oh movie my God. Because there's a <laughs> baptism going on. Like there's a ceremony <laughs> happening <laughs> and they all like all of the people at the ceremony turn to glare at them. Right. And Corey Feldman just kind of gives them this little smile, like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like this. Don't worry about me just filling out my yeah, canteen like, of holy water. Yeah, don't mind us. Yeah, don't mind us. We're just taking like half the font of holy water. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then running back out and we're like covered in blood. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> um. Vampire hunters, nothing to see here. <laughs> <laughs> they go back to the house. They, they fill the bathtub with the holy water and a bunch of garlic and they like set all these traps. They barricade themselves in and they wait for nightfall mm-hmm. because they know that the vampires are going to come after them, especially after they killed one. Oh, yeah. Night falls. They immediately go outside. Yep. <laughs> because they forgot the dog. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I, I get going out for the dog. Yeah. But like, I don't get... Forgetting the dog until then. Like, not only did you forget the dog, you had it tied to the fence. Right. And it takes them a really long time to untie it. Right. I'm like, unhook the chain, drag the dog back in, go the fucking side. That's true. Like, just pick the fucker up. Right. And like, just take the leash off the dog. Yes. Yeah. It'll be fine. It'll you, be fine. You're you taking can... it in the house. Right. <laughs> not gonna get away (sighs) choices um but of course it doesn't matter because the the vampires smash right through their barricades oh absolutely and then the final fight Mm -hmm. uh ensues and it's just like you know as wacky and over top over the top as you would expect yep you know they they push one of them into uh they push one of them into the bathtub that's filled with holy water and garlic and he like dissolves yep um and then causes like the plumbing to explode yes 
Because that tracks. That makes sense. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> it's a lot of gas buildup in a vampire. Apparently. <laughs> and apparently it would shoot through the pipes instead of just releasing from. Into the air. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, that's how gas works. That's how, that's, that's how that works. Sam also has a squirt gun full of holy water. Yep. That he squirts in the eyes of one of the vampires. Uh, they end up staking him and electrocuting him with uh, the stereo. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then it's the sort of final confrontation mm-hmm. between uh, Michael and David. The fight ensues. They're flying through the air. It's great. Michael ends up uh, actually <laughs> impaling David on some antlers in his grandfather's taxidermy shop. Yep. And then he looks really sad about it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, fuck, I just killed my boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. You sure did, friend. But he also doesn't turn back. No, and he does like, not. Oh, ho, fuck. Mm-hmm. Bad news bears. I'm still hungry, and I'm still a vampire. Here's my face. Do you see it? <laughs> Do you see how craggy I am? This is not right. <laughs> So now they're like, well, if David's not the head vampire, who is? And, you know, who comes home but Mom and Max? Right. They're like, oh. Yeah, they see yeah. what happened. Or mm-hmm. they see the chaos of the house. And Max sees David impaled mm-hmm. on the antlers. And he looks at his face. And his face looks normal now. Yep. It is at that point... That Max reveals that he is, in fact, the head vampire. Mm-hmm. And that he had been preying on them all along. Specifically on Diane Weist's character. Mm-hmm. In a scheme that would befit Ed Kemper. Mm-hmm. This man is not only a vampire, but instead of like simply seducing... Her name is Lucy. Lucy into becoming a vampire on her own. He decides that if he has his boys, which is also a creepy dynamic, if he has his boys turn her two sons, she will have no choice but to join them. Right. And become a mother for all of the boys. Uh And now that they've killed his entire little coven... He's going to need to start building a new one. Right. And he's going to start with them. And they're like, oh, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. It ain't happening, friend. <laughs> and then Grandpa comes home. And I'm not sure if Grandpa comes home and, like, intentionally drives through the wall. I... This was never very clear to me. Did he drive through the wall because he knew they were in trouble? I think so. But, like, the... Okay, so, like... My thing is when, so, okay, so when Max came over initially for dinner, mm-hmm. the grandpa, like, spied on uh, Michael and Max's interaction where he invited him in and wouldn't oh. come in until he wouldn't inv- invited him in. That is true because yes. Michael doesn't just invite him in. Right. Max insists upon being invited in. Right. Which is a mm-hmm. weird thing to do. Right. And then, um, 
like I I don't remember the exact other interaction, but I know that he ended up spying on him continuously and was just very suspicious. Now, mind you, like this grandpa, the grandpa has lived in this this city for a while, for a very long time. Right. So he knows what's up. Right. But you don't know that until yes. the final line of the yes. movie. <laughs> um. So, I do believe that Grandpa specifically busted through the wall of the house. On purpose. On purpose, yes. He was like, fuck this guy. You're not stealing my family. You're going to die. Right. So, Grandpa ends up busting through the wall of the house. In his truck. In his truck. And he ends up hitting Max, right? He ends up hitting Max, but he also, he had like a, he had been putting him a fence. So he had all of these like sharpened wooden posts. Right. Right. So they basically used it like a giant stake. Yep. And impaled Max on it. Mm-hmm. Um, as he came through. And then this is like, this might be one of the best, this might be one of the best last lines of a movie ever. Yep. Because like. Grandpa gets out of his truck and he walks to the fridge and he gets out a root beer mm-hmm. and like they're just all staring at him like <laughs> you just drove through your fucking house dude you just drove through your fucking house like <laughs> we were clearly being attacked by vampires there's mm-hmm. dead vampires everywhere and you're being very nonchalant about this mm-hmm. and he turns around and he says one thing I never could stomach about about Santa Clara is all the vampires right. <laughs> and they're just like so you failed to tell us this? You knew? Like, the whole time we've been here? Yeah, right. You knew what the fuck was up? <laughs> oh, I did forget to say this, too. I believe that this is the first instance of vampires sleeping not in coffins, but hanging upside down like bats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I like the change. I like that they acknowledged and thought that they were going to be in coffins. And then they're like, oh, fuck. There they are. Above our heads. Yeah. (laughs) Which makes sense because, like, they fly a lot. Yeah. Like, I feel like they fly more than your average vampire in a vampire movie. Yeah. Like, it's their primary mode of getting around. Mm Mm-hmm. Other than the motorcycles. Right. Is they just like fly. So all the vampires, at least the bad ones, the fully turned ones, Mm -hmm. are dead. And Star, Laddie, and Michael are all back to normal and are human again. Human again. Mm -hmm. Fully. Human Fully human. I also love that <laughs> this moment they're they're all rejoicing and everything and and uh, the Frog Brothers are like specifically Edgar to his brothers like I wonder how much we should charge them for this yes <laughs> like I'm like it's just line after line of I mean it's great they're, they're just great mm-hmm. so much fun Such so much movie. fun <laughs> it is truly a classic and and I will be sure to rewatch this movie over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's it's sad that it took so long to watch it, but I'll make up for it. 
I have no doubt you will. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm sure you're it's, you will own it by tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> I'm surprised that I don't own it. Right. Like, I have a tendency to buy movies and then not watch them. Right. It's, it's a trend. I gotta say. Well, but, I mean, I do the same thing with books. Right. Like, I'll just like, oh, I'll read this at some point. And mm-hmm. then, you know, it might not happen for like seven years. Right. But it'll happen. But yeah, it's not a movie that I've ever bought for some reason. And I don't know why, but I just never have. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It's going to be fixed. It's going to be, yeah, that, that'll be, mm-hmm. that'll be alleviated soon. So that wraps up The Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. Join us next week for a discussion of Halloween 2018. See um we will also be releasing the fixed recording of evil dead that day yes which is the 40th anniversary of its release so i mean you know so fitting it it was meant to be it worked out (laughs) but until then of course uh like and subscribe to us on apple podcasts we do have our youtube page um with our Latest video released recently is a Mm -hmm. two-parter. You can find us on YouTube and under Friday Night Frights. Podcast? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to re-say that part, just the name. Uh, Under under Friday Night Frights Podcast. Uh, Follow us on Spotify. Our Instagram is Podcast. We have our Twitter, Pod. And our Facebook page, you can find us at our full name, Friday Night Frights. We have a website that you can visit us at, at fnfrightspodcast.com. You can scream at us with your thoughts, feelings, and emotions at scream at fnfrightspodcast.com. And we, of course, have our Patreon, the ever-so-lovely Fright Club. And Katie, what is the first rule of Fright Club? The first rule of Fright Club is... Don't change yourself to fit in with a group of people who are being shitty to you. Yeah, it's just not a good time. You should know. Sir, ma'am. Come on. Them. All of the above. (laughs) (laughs) Don't change who you are to fit in with a crowd that you just shouldn't be around. Right. Like, be gay. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. We encourage it. Please do. Wear leather. Please. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. But like. Get your ears pierced. (laughs) <laughs> perfect both mine are like yeah you look you look great but if somebody tries to drive you off a cliff mm-hmm. go the fuck home yeah it's time to leave it is not you do not need to be friends with that person yeah. nope bye adios and so gay schools join us next friday night you'll be in for a fight but until then sleep tight <laughs>